Hello, and welcome to This Movie is Gay, a podcast that takes your favorite apparently heterosexual films and demonstrates why that is not the case. I'm Haley. <laughs> I'm Emma. And this is the, the final installment of our Spooktober programming, our special Halloween episode. Spook content! Where we bring to you the 1963 film, The Haunting. Not the 90s remake, not the Netflix miniseries, the OG adaptation of the Shirley Jackson novel, The Haunting at Hill House, The Haunting, directed by mm-hmm. Robert Wise. Hell yes. Starring. Starring. <laughs> I mean, I only can ever remember Russ Tamblin. That's where my my brain begins and ends. Starring <laughs> Riff Inter- from West Side starring, Story. Starring Riff from West Side Story. Pretty much right after doing that, right? I feel like it's got to be really, he looks so similar. I feel like yeah, it, it before. No, it's immediately after. That was also That's um, what I thought. the last movie that the director had done. Oh, wild. How interesting. Um, Well, I was going to say starring Queen of All of Our Hearts, incredibly spooky dame Julie Harris, who is deeply, deeply weird, doing a deeply weird turn. uh, And then some other people, but most notably Julie Harris, since we spent most of the film in her mind. Yes. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, The Haunting. We watched this. I saw this for the first time with you, but yes years ago yeah yeah oh good yes I had forgotten that I had made you watch it before so it was fun to make you watch it again yes when did you when tell share your history your history Um, with the house okay well um let's see Um, I first watched it probably like toward the end of high school probably before college or at the very beginning of college and then again I haven't watched it a ton of times, but it's a Halloween favorite because it is my partner's favorite movie or one of their favorite movies. And so anytime it's like spook o'clock, it is a spook o'clock that lives in my house for several reasons, because I don't actually watch proper horror films. And so there's only a small selection of things that I can actually imbibe for Halloween. And this is one because I'm too scared of actual horror films. Yeah, I also hate horror movies, which is why we struggled so much and probably overlooked a lot of good Spooktober content because neither mm. of us will watch actually scary things. This no. is a nice a nice balance. It's not yeah. too too creepy. No, and I think we talked about this when we watched it, but I think that it masters. I think there's something really fun about spooky movies from the 60s or like that kind of area before filmmakers were able to rely on CGI because it like by essence of the form it masters the the scariest thing is the stuff you can't see premise which is Mm -hmm. just true I think Mm -hmm. I I find it more atmospherically creepy if you know you're not going to see the thing yeah definitely though we do see we do see some things we do see some things but nothing that doesn't look real you know what I mean like nothing that looks impossible to the eye which is where most like modern spooky stuff sort of loses me also I just have to say now because like yeah I I do have kind of a long history with this movie I also have a long sort of tangential history with being obsessed with Julia Harris because she's sort of a freak and um for lots of reasons mostly about the Belle of Amherst which is a play about Emily Dickinson that she originated on Broadway in the 70s but um I also just need to probably forewarn the listener that I feel really strongly that The Haunting is a superior adaptation of The Haunting of Hill House by Shirley Jackson in every possible way than the miniseries that came out on Netflix last year. And I will die on that hill and I'm going to be um, 
I will explain why, but it made me really mad. And this makes me really happy. So this is going to give me an opportunity to be mean about something that everybody else liked. Great. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's bad. Um, so let's dive into a super quick plot summary, because I think like a lot of horror movies, it's pretty easy to summarize. Um, so it is a um, like doctor of ghosts, like a supernatural paranormal researcher named Dr. Markway gathers together a group of people to stay in this old haunted house to kind of try and document its supernatural activity. So he brings together um, Theo, who has ESP um, professionally, I guess. It's never like that seems to be her job. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, Luke, who is the sort of heir to the house, he's like going to inherit it and kind of is the skeptic and wants to kind of know what he's getting himself into in terms of like whether the house is really haunted or whether he'll be able to sell it. Um, and then Eleanor, who is our heroine, who has, we learn, an experience with the poltergeist as a youth. And it just is generally a sort of like sensitive to the supernatural seeming person, but also mm. incredibly emotionally fragile, having sort of just gotten through like nursing her mother who was like dying for years and years and years. Um, right. So they all gather in the house and pretty much just like a series of kind of creepy events happen culminating in their sort of realizing that the like heart of the house's creepiness is in the nursery where the original builder's daughter sort of spent her entire life and then died in that room right. and dr markway's wife shows up and sort of like doesn't believe in ghosts and is like i'm gonna sleep in the nursery and then sort of the house takes hold of first her and then eleanor culminating in like a like this just like a very surreal sequence where they're sort of searching the house for mm. Mrs. Markway and Eleanor is kind of losing touch with reality and then kind of communes with the house basically and they persuade her to leave because they can tell that the house is influencing her in dangerous ways and she driving away sort of reenacts the death of the original owner of the house's wife who died in a car accident before she could ever see the house by driving into a giant oak tree. So Eleanor leaves and drives into this giant oak tree and it's very unclear if it was sort of like suicide or supernatural something taking over her or the car. And we're sort of left with the knowledge that Eleanor will be joining the sort of spirits and forces that haunt this house. Very nicely done. Very nicely done. You encompassed the history in a very succinct way as well. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, because it is kind of like it's one of those things where they're like so many spooky movies, there is a lot of history. There is a lot of like, these people lived here and this is the weird because it's ghosts. So it has to be haunted by something and we have to know what happened to them and kind of why and I mean, what's interesting so, is like, yes, it's ghosts, yeah. but also it's like the house was haunted before anyone died there. Like the whole kind of premise is like this wife mysteriously died on her way right. to the house and like something in the house kind of killed her before she'd ever seen right. it. Right. And the heart of the house, the house embodied as a living thing, of course, is one of the spookiest things about Shirley Jackson's prose. And that's what's so great about the movie is that you you get so much 
narration that is just text from the book when you're in Eleanor's head of like her entire perspective on the life that she's leaving behind when she's going to Hill House and the life that she like hopes to find is like all from the book. So it's super interesting to like, you know, the way that Shirley Jackson describes the walls breathing and all of that really creepy stuff when we get there of like, you know, that's all in there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just a lot of like spooky old house shit, but like yeah. dialed up to 11 in the way of horror movies. So like when yeah. you, I grew up in an old house. And so like when you're like lying in bed and you just hear this fucking weird banging noise and you're just like, I don't know what that is. Yeah. 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 And there's that thing where they're like, none of the angles are right. Like they keep saying that the walls don't meet the ceiling in the right way. All of yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's sort of always left. It's never kind of explained what the kind of origin of the malevolence is I was reading about sort of like you know different versions and adaptations and of course inevitably there was like a later Stephen King did a sort of riff that like mm. much more different too different to really be called an adaptation it was sort of inspired by and of course in that they did the like cliche like it's on an Indian burial ground um, <laughs> oh, and I appreciate God. that it sort of avoids coming up with a reason why mm -hmm. the house was sort of evil in the first place I think it's really interesting and perhaps segues into, I mean, like for our purposes, following our protagonist, Eleanor, to this weird spook gathering and through the story, I feel like the, the source of the, of the haunting, if you will, has a very particular metaphorical position. Yeah. So let's back up a second because I think people who are familiar with this movie mm -hmm. possibly have gotten this far and been like, hang on, didn't you reject a film because it was too explicit? How on earth are you doing the haunting? Because the character Theo, this is probably hinted by her name, is like- I, um, I love it so much. <laughs> all but explicitly gay. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And I was reading, apparently it's explicit in the novella, which I haven't read. Yes, it it is. Her, I mean, not in the sense that Shirley Jackson is like, you know, Theo, she, a lesbian, walked into right, the room. <laughs> right. It's not, it's not, you know how writers do? Yeah. It's not Theo, a lesbian, walked into the room, but she is established as having, she is established as living with a woman or having lived with a woman who, you know, it's a sort of like, it's a female roommate who, you know, like they, she's had a fight with her or something and, She's having trouble at home and she lives with a woman. That's what's explicit in the novel. Yeah, and I guess there was a deleted scene early in the movie that showed her um, leave it, like in a house where like someone had written, clearly it was like the aftermath of a breakup and she comes into the bathroom and someone has written, I hate you in lipstick. You know how you do? <laughs> you know, the way lesbians do. But like sort of making it much more explicit that like A, she's just yeah. gone through a breakup and B, it was yeah. with a woman, which is again- right all but explicit in the movie as well yeah. there's I mean yeah. we'll get to it in more detail but like there's a scene where she's talking about like oh we like to decorate our house this way blah 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 and Eleanor's like are you married and she's like no nope. <laughs> and <laughs> it's very obvious um but so I think that like the case that we're gonna try to make like you just said is sort of everyone sort of accepts that Theo is gay but like basically is Eleanor also gay and is this sort of fundamentally a movie about Mm -hmm. queerness which I think yeah. both of us think it is and I found this really interesting Pauline Kael quote from a review of the movie when it came out in the 60s um and she said it wasn't a great movie but I certainly wouldn't have thought that it could offend anyone yet part of the audience at the haunting wasn't merely bored it was hostile as if the movie by assuming interests they didn't have made them feel resentful or inferior mm. 
which interesting. Uh, yeah, what do you I make just of that. I just found it really fascinating this idea that like there is something there's like a subterranean current that kind of neither Kale nor these like audience members she's watching understood what it was but they understood that it was not for them. I love that. That's really interesting. Because, well, yeah, I mean, in a way that speaks to, I don't think I'm going to go so far out on a limb when making this case to say that the movie like doesn't make as doesn't make sense if you don't read it the way that we're reading it. But that is suggestive. That's interesting. I mean, it's actually really interesting that you say that because I was sort of, I was reading this sort of summary of how it was reviewed. And it was like one of the complaints was these characters' motivations don't make sense. Okay, so they do make sense because they're all about sexual jealousy between two women and then a couple guys are also here. Yeah, so I was like, that's the film. Yeah, Yeah. like, okay, yeah, this movie wouldn't make sense if you- If you don't see it. Yeah, and if you don't understand that like the nature of Eleanor's connection to the house is the same thing as her relationship to Theo. Yes. Yes. And I, something that is, became really apparent to me when rewatching it was the synchronicity of the supernatural events in the house with significant conversations that Eleanor has just had with Theo. Of, I started tracking of like, every time there's a big disturbance, there's a sound that only the women can hear. Like there's a moment, I'm sure we'll get to it as we walk through, but like, you know, there's a moment when the guys get like distracted and lured out of the house by some kind of thing that they think they can hear. And then the women are left alone and they have a sort of tense conversation and then something scary happens. And that kind of thing happens a couple of times where it's like, at the same time, the sense of danger is connected to the sense of weird intimacy that they start to share. Yeah. I mean, and just the sort of general sense that it's like there are things going on only they can perceive and understand. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, why don't we start walking through since you've sort of led us to that? Yeah, I think we can it. begin with sort of unpicking the perhaps <laughs> obvious kind of sexual tension between Eleanor and Theo. Mm-hmm. which is explicit and palpable. I mean, it's extraordinary. They had, I mean, Mary, it's just like... they had Mary Quant custom design all of Theo's costumes. I mean, they all slap. I mean, it is so, it is so well designed. It's just out of control. Also, it's like, I'm, I mean, again, I know we'll get to it, but there's that line. Uh, well, why don't we just get to it? We'll do it. Okay, we'll get to it. Um, I mean, the, yeah, okay. So Yeah, why don't you start us there with okay. whatever you're about to say? Okay, well, I mean, I was, I was going to start even further back and be like, you know, the film establishes Eleanor like her mom has just died, like you said, and she lives on her sister's couch and is like an old maid. Like she's pictured in a very, she's designed in a very old maidy way, you know? And the whole first like 10, 15 minutes of the movie are in her head as she's driving to Hill House full of sort of expectation and not knowing what's gonna happen. And when she gets there, uh, she's kind of freaked out and like, you know, sort of no one is there to receive her and she like never goes anywhere. So she's nervous. And then Theo walks in looking like incredible and like sort of aggressive. And Eleanor says, just when I thought I was all alone, like after she's walked in and then they immediately have the like perennial forever. We're going to be great friends. Like, I think we're going to be great friends moment. And then in a very cheeky way, Theo says, "Mm, like sisters, question mark. (laughs) It's just like very, it's, it's very aggressive from like the first moment. 
instantaneously um, yeah and then you uh they like as you pointed out like the first thing they do is give each other nicknames she's like call me theo and i'll call you nell is it Nell? yeah yeah it is Nell. yeah which she doesn't and really end up calling her that much but she calls her point. nelly a lot um, yeah yeah which is like i mean i know we've talked we talk about names a lot like when names shift in different movies as like a shorthand of intimacy and just for the characters to do it themselves right away to be like okay so now let's do the part where we give each other special names go <laughs> like and it's just immediate i mean i think and it's also just a really established like having a nickname for someone that no one else has is like and you yes. see that in the straight people movies too it's like yeah it's i mean immediate fucking shorthand. shakespeare i'm gonna call you kate <laughs> yeah boom it's just like immediate shorthand for like we have a special thing you know and like theo is very much in charge of that thing as it goes but then it's like right before they meet the dudes like the scene is not even over and then you get voiceover in eleanor's head that says i've waited such a long time is this what i came to so far to find and like she means the house but like she doesn't mean the house yeah yeah it's so, it's you know i mean and like we, we're joking about how theo comes on really strong but <laughs> you made a very good point when <laughs> when we were watching this movie which is if you're psychic yep you know how yep. hard you can get away with flirting because you know how it's being received. Here's the thing. If you're literally a professional psychic, you're not going to waste a ton of time hitting on a straight girl. <laughs> you don't have to if you're psychic. That's the number one thing that being psychic is for. And to be clear for anyone who hasn't seen it, Theo is established as being like read your mind psychic properly read your mind psychic yeah like read your thoughts which she uses in sort of catty ways later uh, to kind of like you know read Eleanor's impulses back to the room in a way that Eleanor is not comfortable with but like yeah she's proper psychic like the film believes in that as the thing so I would just state yeah I think that's just coming in out the gate if you're psychic and you spend a lot of time hitting on someone you know if they're into it or not <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's really sort of, I think the first kind of moments in the house are sort of very creepy. Mm -hmm. This is obviously the house, it's a haunted house. Like it's always really creepy. But sort of right. after Theo shows up is when Eleanor starts transitioning into like, oh, I think this is, I like this place. Like yes. the quote you just said about like, is this what I came so far to find? Like she starts right. her kind of sense of comfort and connection to the house start seeping in once Theo has arrived, which is interesting. Right. right, right, exactly, exactly. And it's weird because it's like almost immediately Eleanor's sense of, of comfort, but like mysterious attraction to the house is sort of side by side with like the encroaching sense of creepiness and danger. It's both at once. It's like very entrancing, but also, you know, we keep discovering like cold spots and there are weird sounds and it's like, it's very clearly scary, but also she feels at home there. Yeah. Which is interesting. Which sort of matches the tone of what Theo does, which is simultaneously <laughs> extremely threatening, yeah. often mean. Yeah. But also, you know, the only person in the house who's kind of seeking to connect to or seems to understand Eleanor at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. She has the very aggressive flirting style. <laughs> yeah. Which, yeah, which plays out across a lot of different interactions. And but also, like, negging. She's she's big on negging. She is, yeah. Yeah, in terms of just, like, sort of forcing Eleanor to do stuff. Yeah, well, like, there's this whole weird mm -hmm. bit where she, like, makes fun of Eleanor for, like, changing her hair. 
Yeah, it's mean. It makes me so sad every time it gets to that, that next morning where, because, well, we'll get to the hair moment because it's part of the. Yeah. So they, the other, the men finally show up and kind of Eleanor is like already very much on edge. And Dr. Markway is like, well, why don't you ladies like share a room? Mm -hmm. So you'll, you know, we'll, we'll all bunk up together, you know, so no one will be alone kind of thing. Oh my God. Isn't there a really, um, isn't there a, a weird moment early on that has, I feel like they're supposed to be in like adjoining rooms, but once it comes time, because there's that moment that Theo says, if you feel even the least bit nervous, just run right into my room now. Oh yeah. When they first meet. And then later he's like, why don't you just sit together? And Eleanor's like, oh no. And Theo's like, no, we'll have fun. Yeah, she does. Yeah. And then I think that's, yeah, it's, Mm -hmm we're getting very scattered because there's like just genuinely so much. So maybe we need to stop trying to like pinpoint every moment and just sort of focus on the movements of it. So I think building off of the thing that you said initially about how the sort of supernatural follows on the heels of kind of them having sort of moments or encounters, I think like the very first kind of creepy scene is kind of in some ways like the epitome of that it's like the first sort of true supernatural experience and like the first sort of like true like horror movie sequence that we have and it's something that only the two of them experience together yeah yeah and that's the big noise in the hallway right yeah when they're in there they're sharing their bedroom on the first night Mm -hmm. and they just start hearing these terrifying like thunking kind of noises coming from all around the bedroom that they're staying in and they're yeah. both sort of like clutching each other in their nightgowns and like yeah. classic you know horror heroine fashion totally totally sort of something approaches yeah something approaches as they've like already like they've they were going to bed and then this disturbance started and then something approaches that of course is never seen it's just like and because the design is this old 60s movie, it's very creepy because it's a very weird, huge sound out in the hallway that isn't just like stomping and it isn't just like banging. It's like a huge cacophonous sound and it sort of rocks the house. Like, you know, the kind of the door, they show the door sort of shaking on its hinges That's and stuff. That's my favorite effect in the whole movie is that <laughs> it's at the end, like the sort of climax is it starts pressing the door inwards. Yeah, yeah. It, all, it bends kind it of, bends. doesn't it? The door like kind of, yeah, it's like the all the kind of inlay right. of the wood sort of accordions outwards as if, you know, something is pressing right. it with like impossible strength from the other side. That's right. That's right. And then earlier, like bef- right before that happens, I feel like there's a moment where Eleanor says, someone advises her to lock the door and in her interior voice, she says, lock the door against what? Against yeah. what? And then right away this happens. And then the focal point of the event is the door and it's like bending and they're literally like clinging to each other. And like we sort of alluded to, I think the extraordinary thing about it is that it turns out to be something that the men have not experienced. And in fact, were led away from. Mm-hmm. So by the time it calms down, it all of a sudden stops after this really scary sequence where it just gets louder and louder and louder and closer and closer. By the time it stops and the men come back, they're like, the girls are flipping out and they're like, did you hear it? Did you hear it? And the guys are like, what? And then it, they piece together kind of what's happened. And yeah, then the Elf- men saw this weird phantom dog that they went yeah, and chased into like, the yard. Right. And, and so like, they were like, oh, we were chasing this dog. And then Eleanor and Theo like flip out laughing. Yeah. <laughs> they just sort of break and lose it and are like hysterical. Yeah. With sort of like fear and relief and like the sort of sense of like, 
we understand and have experienced something that you two are never going to understand. Yeah. And that's how it starts. And like, that's before any of the kind of stakes even really sort of ratchet up. Like that's opening beat. There's something unknowable, which we already knew because it's a haunted house. It's why we're all here. But like, there's, it, it establishes the territory of the danger as like these women and their connection. And there's something outside the door and the men are unaware of what's happening. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's, I mean, and it connects to like, all of the people sort of consumed by the house mm. are women. Yeah, right. So it's this, the old, the woman who so was it's married. The to- wife of the, it's the wife of the builder who never okay. saw it, or the wife okay. of the first owner who had it built, who died right. on the way. And then okay. his daughter kind of was neglected in the nursery and like never okay. left that room her whole life and died there as an old woman mm. because her young female companion right. was ignoring her to go make out with a guy in like the garden. So then the old woman right. died, the companion inherited the house and went crazy and killed herself. And killed herself. Okay, oh, so and it's then all women. the young girl's stepmother yes. also mysteriously fell down the stairs and died. Oh, that's right. Okay, I always forget about that one, but it is all women. The casualties are all women. Yeah. That's so interesting. Right. And of course, when we were, they, they breezed through this history pretty quickly early in the movie, but when we were watching it, the, the recap of how the young companion making out with a guy is how she doesn't hear the old lady, like ring the bell for her right away. We were like, heterosexuality equals murder. Like, (laughs) it's like, is that what Hill House thinks? What's happening? Maybe. I mean, not really, because there's two, there's two married women who are sort of eaten by the house. Mm -hmm. One, you know, irresponsible woman with a guy lover and then the old recluse woman who we assume was not dating (laughs) if you spend your whole life in your childhood nursery you are not dating I think that's Um, a safe assumption to make probably I think that's a safe bet also there's Mrs there's very deeply insane Mrs Dudley who's like the caretaker's wife who we haven't mentioned because she's not relevant she just has the greatest lines in the movie which are uh no one will hear you in the night in the dark, which I've been quoting for years ever since I saw this movie because I think it's so funny. It is very funny. But there is like, I mean, I think the case you could make on the one hand is like, it's not about, it's like a sort of feminine intuition. Like it's something about the house and like womanhood. But yeah. I think it's definitely more than that. Even though um, then when, yeah. the, when the doctor's wife shows up and is a skeptic, she is also the other person who immediately sort of comes under the influence of the house. That's true. Yeah, the men seem way less susceptible to it. It does tend to sort of take women over. That's kind of the mystery of it. It's because we're so intuitive and, you know, mm. emotionally fragile. Mm, yes. Yeah. Close, already so close to madness. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Always, already. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then it's the next morning and they're both... <laughs> incredibly chill about the events of the night before this was like the the transition in the movie where I was most like I'm sorry last (laughs) night you were literally like screaming and clutching each other in bed and then in the morning they're just like oh what a funny event last night like listen repression (laughs) I guess I guess yeah yeah it's so Eleanor is so mysterious because then like the next morning she starts the kind of, the, she starts that breakfast by having a long conversation with Dr. Markway. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because it's almost flirty. And that's the sort of like, I feel like there's a couple of different camps 
in regards to the Dr. Markway thing in with this movie where I feel like there are people who are like, she, uh, you know, is genuinely like attracted to Dr. Markway in some way, which is why Theo kind of gets like petty and mad. And I feel like there are people who are like, Eleanor immediately course corrects and tries to convince herself in some way to be flirty with Dr. Markway because she's so freaked out by the Theo thing. It's definitely a relationship that comes to have, that is like meant to have a bearing on the plot because then Eleanor is sort of like shocked and like Mark was very flirty with her. And so then Eleanor is very shocked when the wife shows up, but like it is a weirdly, they certainly for, for, for a relationship that is meant to matter so much, they certainly film it without any sort of chemistry or spark. And they certainly chose two actors who do not have any kind of natural like fizz between them. No. Well, and what's weird about it is that I sort of have always read it like she, but he is being flirty with her. That feels intentional. And I've always sort of read it like she kind of like has never, has sort of never been flirted with except for a ton in the last two days. And so she's just sort of like politely absorbing it. But then the person she actually has sexual attention with, who is Theo, walks in like two seconds later and then the conversation becomes about her, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's definitely, it never, I remember because I forgot what happened. I remember being surprised when we were supposed to be taking the sort of dynamic between her and Markway as requited because it definitely always read to me as older man flirting, younger woman sort of politely rebuffing, but like not wanting to kind of of make waves. And so, yeah. yeah, just like, oh, thank you. Okay. In the way so many of us have done. Um, yeah, yeah, it's interesting, but like we said, it sort of becomes this a sort of essential dynamic of this love triangle in a way because Theo also gets really aggressively jealous, mm-hmm. and that is yeah. sort of the next kind of phase of what's happening between them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The um, I'm trying to I'm trying to think of the. Because it's that conversation where she comes in and says the mean thing about the hair, right? Because yeah. the night before, because she's psychic, the night before she had been like, you're thinking of changing your hair and you should, I'll do it for you. And then the next morning she says like a sort of snide thing about like, who are you trying to like dress up for? Yeah, you're, I just realized different. I got it wrong. So he, they haven't, they haven't moved in together yet. It's the mm-hmm. that whole encounter because it's like Theo's like hanging around Eleanor's right. door being like, can I come in? we could fix your hair. And like Eleanor right. sort of like, nah. And then all this creepy shit happens. And then and she so runs then, in. Like they, yeah, yeah, exactly. They're both hearing it and they sort of run and find each other's. And so it's right. now the next day. Right. After there's a couple more incidents where Eleanor is clearly like, That's right. some like creepy writing appears on the wall that says her name. Oh, yeah. And they're sort of realizing like the house is interested in and connected to Eleanor somehow. Specifically, and, yeah. yeah. And that's when then Dr. Markway is like, you two should sleep together. <laughs> you should hey. do your room. And they have the whole like, no, we'll have fun. Um, mm, yeah. And then it sort of goes to the scene of them like having this sleepover and they're both drunk and... Oh, they um, are. Eleanor's yeah. painting her nails for what I feel like we're supposed to think is the first time ever. Oh my God, wait, I'm sorry. I just remembered the exact conversation when the doctor is like, he says, you better move in with Eleanor to Theo. And she says, you're the doctor. <laughs> yeah. And then they have a lovely, like giddy drunk sleepover. And like, yes! you sort of see for like, sort of the first and only time in the movie, you really see Eleanor like moving fluidly through space. She's sort of like mm. dancing around. And that's when we get the conversation about like, oh, our house, we like to decorate 
Oh, yeah. And then it's really sad because the viewer knows explicitly what Eleanor is coming from, which is her sister's couch and that she doesn't have a home of her own. But in that moment when Theo shares details about her house and like the kind of way she's decorated it and all of that, and it just sounds really nice. She asks Eleanor about her home and Eleanor makes something up. Yeah. She's like, oh, I have a little apartment in the city. Which is also like, don't lie to a psychic though. Yeah, yeah. It feels feels pointless, but she does make something up. Unlike in some other points, Theo doesn't call her out in the moment. She sort of lets it happen. I think recognizing that it's coming from a place of deep sadness. Yeah, yeah. So the kind of contrast is interesting, but they are like giggling and laughing and having fun. And and there's that, it's sort of like a weird makeover moment almost. Like she yeah. said, Theo, Theo says to Nell, by the time I'm done with you, you'll be a different person. <laughs> Which is just like, when you read the dialogue out loud, it's just like, okay, well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it is, it, yeah. There's yeah. a lot of energy. Moments like that. It's one of the only sort of scenes in the movie that is like an intimate conversation between two people who are really connecting to each other, I think Mm. is the other thing. Like, it's not just like flirty giggling and like nail polish Mm. and like getting a little drunk. It's like, it's not really a movie for a movie that's like really about psychology. It's not really a lot about people connecting. And that's one of the only scenes where that feels like it's happening. And also one of the only scenes where Theo is not kind of partly the person undermining it by kind of being a dick. Totally. Yeah, totally. Because it feels like there's a lot of um, people are are trying to hide so much yeah. in most of the scenes, I feel like, or like pursue some other object. Yeah, it's one of the only real chill conversations. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And not just chill, but like, you know, making a connection Deep. about like their yeah. sort of lives outside the house and like who they are as people. And like, it's the first time we really hear Eleanor talk about her mother. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just a moment. It's more than sort of sexual tension. It's sort of a moment of genuine mm-hmm. connection. Totally. And then it leads into one of the yeah. creepy, the other creepiest, uh, I mean, probably this is the creepiest scene. I think so. This is the scene that really scared me, like really truly like haunted me when I first watched the movie. I was like, the oh haunting. my God. Yeah, this is the haunting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, where, so they go to sleep. They have like two little twin beds and nice like, you know, 60s bedroom fashion. And then right. Eleanor wakes up in the night and starts hearing like these weird sounds like on the other side of the wall. Mm-hmm. It's like a conversation she's hearing, right? And like a child crying. Yeah, there's a child crying and it's kind of like everywhere at once and getting louder and it's just like very, very freaky. Yeah, and like she's like freaking out and she's like, you know, uh, n- Theo, hold my hand. And so they kind of grab, you can't see Theo because the whole sort of sequence, it's like we're either looking at the wall or we're like close in on Eleanor's face. But right. you sort of see her like reaching off screen and holding Theo's hand. Right. And you hear her thoughts being like, oh my God, Theo, you're like breaking my fingers here. Yeah. Um, and it's it seems like it's building to like the sort of quieter middle of the night version of like you know them having this shared experience and they're clutching Mm -hmm. each other and the crying is getting closer and closer and she's like right you know there's this sort of it culminates and she kind of squeezes her eyes then she opens her eyes and she wakes up on this sofa and Theo's all the way over the other side of the room in the bed right and of course it's the quintessential horror movie thing of she looks down at her hand which of course is empty and is like 
curled tight like a claw like it has all of this tension in it she really was gripping something it's a great shot and then she says but whose hand was i holding it's so scary on just like a base horror movie level but also like the whole weird resonance of like i don't like what does that mean what a weird experience to feel really like tightly i don't know to feel protected and like tightly connected to someone and like i don't know just like the weirdness of that to squeeze and squeeze and squeeze and then be like oh my god i'm all alone like who was touching me and it's just that it just feeds into the sort of like unexplained weirdness of the nature of the house's the thing in the house because it's like yes. okay she wasn't was she holding the hand of the crying child but it's like she was afraid of the sounds and comforted by the hand so it's like yes. it's like two different entities and i think we sort of haven't this yeah. might segue into your rant please the final line of the novella is put at the in the opening kind of voiceover yep of the movie which is and correct me i might get this wrong it's whatever walked in the house walked alone yes. it, it is the first and last line of the novella yeah. um it okay. is uh the something silence lies evenly against the something and stones of hill house and whatever walked there walked alone and so before you sort of veer into what I know you're going to want to talk about now, it's interesting, the idea that like one of the scary moments is about there being something else. Yeah. You know, that the, the sort of multiplicity and like it's mm. the sort of the way that the story kind of ends up is like it's this weird contest between Mrs. Markway and... Mm. Eleanor because Mrs. Markway disappears and Eleanor starts being like she's taken my place the house is taking her instead of me the sense of like only one of yes. them gets to stay behind yeah which is like yeah. on the one hand contributing to the aloneness but then it's also like so then what's mm. already there like the, the sort of nature of like what is the thing and is it all just the original entity that's eating the souls of these women or are the women right. taking each other's places it's just really I just I really like that it's never explained it's I never do like too. it's never like oh actually Eleanor was a cousin of the original like no I love that it doesn't matter I love that because I think that is so elegant and weird and maybe provoked some of the frustration that you know some reviewers might have had at the time of like I don't understand what the plot of this is but it's like I you couldn't get away with that now with with like not, not revealing yeah because that we're obsessed with revealing and with explaining which is part of my rant about the miniseries but it is um yeah I love that it's never explained but I find something fascinating in the sort of contrast between sort yeah. of whatever walked there walked alone and mm -hmm. the fact that like so much of the horror is linked to these connection like to Theo and to whatever was holding her hand and thinking that it yes. was Theo holding her hand like there's just I'm not yes. quite sure what it is but there's just something really no. interesting I guess feeding into this kind of argument we're trying to make which mm -hmm. is that sort of the Eleanor's experiences are also sort of indicative yeah. of her kind of repression or something yeah, yeah. sort of yeah. difference between the feeling of being separate and alone versus mm. the feeling of finding some kind of companionship and connection through the kind of apparent horror that is the house. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think that's, what's weird about Eleanor is that simultaneously it's that weird thing of simultaneously what is horrifying her is comforting her. 
if yeah. she could only figure it out, you know, I don't know. Yeah. In the it, end, she wants to stay in the house. She does. Yeah. Yeah. Because she feels like it's the only place she's ever belonged. And she wanders around saying things like, all I want is to be cherished, which she does say at some point in this movie. And it's just heartbreaking. Like, you know, I don't yeah. know. I mean, and it feels related to the sort of fight that her and Theo have in their sort of next big scene, which sort of culminates in her being like, you're the monster, Theo. You're the monster of Hill House. Right, and that's the thing. It's like, you can't walk. I, that's why I feel like this is really like a reading with basis is that like, you can't say to Theo, who's been relentlessly hitting on you since the moment you arrived, you're the monster of Hill House. And then later be like, no, don't you understand? The house wants me. It wants me and only me. And you're like, well, <laughs> you know, yeah. there it is, Eleanor. I think the two, yeah, I mean, I think it's just, as you've said, like the two experiences, the experience right. of this Theo, Theo's an experience, <laughs> the and Theo the experience. experience of whatever relationship she's having to the house are just yeah. sort of like constantly interwoven. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what I think, that's what I think it is, is that, I don't know, like the she says to the doctor at one point when he's trying to get her to make sense of her experiences, he says like something to sort of placate her about her being safe or whatever. And she says, you haven't been through it, this horrible unknown thing to the doctor. And it's just this thing of like the fact that it's an unknown to her still, mm -hmm. that, you know, I don't know. I feel like that's, that's, yeah, that's yeah, totally it. The nature of the like, so what I thought was interesting when I was reading about this deleted scene and they were like, we didn't want to put in the deleted scene because so much of the movie is implication and it felt weird yeah. to explain so explicitly. I mean, whatever. Which I think it's right. I think it's right. I mean, I think it's fine. You know, yeah. in these days, I don't think that we would feel like, ooh, you have to maintain the secret of is she a lesbian or not? No. But sure, for the 60s, great. Yeah. Kind of, so then linking that idea of like, we also just never can, it's always only an implication of like, what is the nature of her connection? What is this thing she's feeling? And yes. also like, is she, is the house, I mean, cause it's like the question is like, is Eleanor just sort of losing her mind? Yeah. Or is the house doing this to her? And I right. think there is something as well. And yeah, it's like, is the house just pulling out something that was there? Or is right. the house putting something in her? <laughs> that sounded sexual and I didn't mean it to. But you know what I mean? And I think it's the same with yeah. Theo. It's like, Theo's like, I'm psychic. I know you're a lesbian and I'm going to hit on you. And similarly, it's like, is this sort of yeah. terrifying and comforting thing that she's finding in the house, the sexuality, yeah. this, the impulses, the desires yes. that were already there? Right. Totally. I mean as our last episode with this werewolf is gay taught us the, the scariest thing is your true self confronting you from a closet <laughs> when you least expect it basically but it is yeah I mean it's like she's so the just the way she talks about it and you're sort of meant to feel mm -hmm. it's just like she has one of her last lines is like I've always wanted something to happen and now it's happening something's happening it's the idea that like yeah the thing that she's seeking is in the house and I realize that sounds really obvious but when you pair it with the way that like right it's right it's mirrored and sort of traced by her relationship to Theo it feels like they're talking they're doing the same thing structurally that's what I think the house and Theo you mean are kind yeah. of doing the same yeah, thing they're structurally both, to Eleanor yes they're uncovering the same kind of hidden things which is why Theo is psychic because she is the person who can tell Eleanor yes. the truth about herself 
Yes. That's really good. I'm really pondering that now because the thing is, as you know, like I said, I've watched it and I've enjoyed it for years, but like, I have never felt like I've solved in my own brain adequately, the puzzle of what the house's relationship is to this. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've ever settled on a story in my own brain about what the house wants or that question of like, does the, is the house, is what the house wants even real? You know what I mean? Or like, is the, what is the nature of the house's malice? I've never decided that. And I, it's interesting to think about it in this way. Yeah, I mean, cause I definitely don't wanna be like, having just praised it for its ambiguity, I don't wanna be like, and the answer is, but I do right. think there's something in that kind of, especially like, I mean, we're, as long as we're in the earliest 20th century, mid 20th century, we're not going to escape the sort of associations of queerness and fear and shame. Um, I right. don't think that's a hope we can have. So it is that sort of terror slash mm. desire. Like it just feels like she reacts to Theo and she reacts to the house yeah. in the same way. Yeah, yeah. That's so, it's so interesting. The, well, because her her desire to stay in the house ultimately leads her to destroy herself to stay in the house. Yeah, that's what that's where we're going. And I don't know. Do you have a feeling about kind of what the implication is of the kind of last moments? If it's meant to be like, if it is a suicide or magic or either one, you know, because I, well, we'll get there. But it's even that has always perplexed me. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, because it's like, it, it. she seems to be losing control of the car as yeah. she's driving. And for a moment, she looks really frightened. And then yes. this sort of look of calm comes across her. And she has that voiceover that I just said, where she's like, I always wanted something to happen. And now something's and happening. Now, and right. then we sort of see the aftermath of the crash. So it's sort of hmm. both. Yeah, I it's know. Like the house the takes over the car, but then she surrenders to it on purpose on purpose like you sort of are left to feel like oh well maybe she could have fought it if she had wanted to and decided not to right and so I don't know maybe that's the whole story with Theo and the house as well is it's like I don't know there's there's a duality about Eleanor's journey the whole time of are you resisting or are you surrendering or do you understand what's happening to you do you not yeah and I think that moment where she lies about the apartment is actually really sort of relevant because it's like she wants to impress Theo she yes. wants to seem like a person that Theo isn't going to pity and yes. is going to think like we're alike. I also have a nice little house that I have done up in my nice little way. And I have the same yeah. things that you have. I have a life like yours that you, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then later, you know, she's equally, like, you're the monster of Hill House. You're disgusting. You're an abomination. <laughs> like, right. Like later we get that total, that scene. Let's talk about that scene a little yeah. bit, that ba- that balcony fight. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a balcony fight. I mean, it's pretty much just like we're getting, I mean, there's not that much to say about it. It's just like, she's like, you're, you revolt me. Like, yeah, basically like you're gay and it's gross. Like that's the, it's really just another scene driving home. Yeah. That Theo is gay. Right. Well, what's funny about it. So when you sent me that, that thing about the the Wikipedia sort of mention of the deleted scene. And I was thinking about that. There's a moment in that little entry where it's like, in order to try and keep it implicit, they directed the film so that you never see Theo touch her. And Mm. it was so funny because all I could think of was that shot in this scene on the balcony when they're standing like eight feet apart with their arms crossed, both turned like sort of three quarters of the way away from each other. And I was like, you fucked up because that's the gayest thing in this whole movie. (laughs) But I don't think that I don't think 
that's a fuck up. I think that's a, I no, think no. that's a, on purpose. Well, right. That's what I mean is that that's the, the, the tension is, the tension is gayer than Theo casually touching her ever could be is kind yeah. of what I mean. What I oh, mean yeah. That. But I think that that's why they did it. I think that that's totally. what they recognized as well. Is but better. it is interesting. Yes, and like a thing that you asked at the time is like, is it a choice between, I mean, to br- bring this back to like the question of like, is it suicide? Like, is it like, right. it's easier to be a ghost in this house than it is to go be gay like Theo? Right. And I'm not so sure that that's, as we've been talking about this, like, I don't know if that's the duality because like, Uh I think kind of being in the house is being gay. Totally. And I think that's a more complicated reading because it makes us upset because she has to die to get what she wants, which is become a gay ghost. But like, but I think you're right. Uh, Yeah. I mean, or I guess she could also, I mean, it's sort of like she's gay either way. She's either going to go with Theo, which Mm -hmm. for some reason I had a false memory that that was how it ended, I guess, because that's (laughs) how I wanted it to end. That's really funny. Um, or you go, you stay and be a gay ghost. Like it's, you're gay. That's the part you're not escaping, whichever you choose. Right. Exactly. And so. Because Dr. Markway is married, so you're not going with him. Well, right. And that's, in, that's where, that's where the whole Dr. Markway question kind of circles back and becomes relevant to the plot again is because he doesn't mention his wife. He's being very flirty with Eleanor. By the time the wife shows up. Fucking I men. think. I know, bro. I think we're meant to read her sort of pretty quick descent into madness as a reaction to Dr. Marquay's wife appearing. Yes. That's that's true, right? I'm not hallucinating so. yeah. that. The yeah. filmmakers she's, want us to read that. Yeah. I, I totally agree. I think it's okay. I think we're supposed to think, oh, she thought that he represented a sort of future after this house. And now she exactly. doesn't have that anymore because he's married and has been right. leading her on like a dick like a total dick and then also Russ Hamblin's still here he's just been chilling and um but like the the idea of a future after this really brief stint at Hill House starts to become really urgent and important Mm -hmm. and so I guess it's that once Dr. Markway is no longer a viable avenue to that there's Theo and that's just unthinkable or there's just die and stay here forever yeah but I think it's mm. unescapable. It's the same thing. It's the I same think that's thing. the argument that I'm trying to Ooh. make is that it's just yeah. two different versions of the same thing. Okay. That is really, really interesting. And so like, what do you make of Eleanor's sort of like delusion, I guess, or co- like conviction as that kind of final act plays out that she, that the house is like absorbing her. Cause that's what she starts to get concerned about is she keeps saying I'm disappearing into the house. Like the house is, you know, like the, the fact that she's being absorbed inch by inch into the house is what she perceives to be happening. So what do we make of that? Yeah. Well, and it's, yeah, at first she's afraid of it and then it's what she wants. And then it's what she wants. And, then and she she's like, I'm going to let it eat me. Yeah. Yeah. That Mrs. Markway right. had it instead. I mean, it's just really, it's just this sort of the constant searching for home and her sort of vacillations between like this house is the only place that I could ever be. Mm, And oh my God, the house is eating me. It's like, it's both at once. It's both terrifying and comforting. Mm -hmm. And it's, and I think that's Mm -hmm. what sort of makes it feel like it just is you. Like there's just no escaping what's happening. You might be afraid of it or you might want it at turns, but in either case, it's, it just is. That's interesting. This has become more of a conversation about sort of duality than I expected. Which when are we not talking about duality? I think that's true. That's true. No, it's true. It's true. That's really interesting. The fact that it's like, 
Oof, all of this unspoken weird shit. And then what we're actually talking about at every turn is it is both the thing that the character that she's been searching for all her life and the thing that is going to end her life. Yeah. You know, it's, that's, it's so interesting how they meet and become the same thing. Yeah. It's a very blurry journey, Eleanor. But I think it sort of works as a yes. kind of metaphor for gayness because like it does end mm-hmm. the life where she would be with someone like Dr. Markway or right. the life where she would be, you know, a person that her mother and her sister you could know, know, could know and feel. Yeah. I mean, even from the beginning, right? There's like, there mm-hmm. it's, it's like super over, her sister's not going to let her have the car to go to the house and it's like we can't like there's a sense like her life is very controlled there's already yes I mean this is the poltergeist thing but it's like there's already something in her that her family feels they have to help contain totally yeah yeah and it's such a it's a really really explicit kind of you know like she's still treated like a child because Mm -hmm. she has never married and all of that kind of thing you know and she's play she plays it in a very old maidy way you know, but that thing way back when we were talking about the design, when Theo first walks in, when they meet Dr. Markway, Eleanor has this line where she's like, I'm, I'm Eleanor in the, you know, Theo's in the velvet and I'm Eleanor in the tweed or something like that. Like (laughs) she references that in a way that I find really interesting. Like she's very like archly aware of how she appears in this very like old maidy way. But yeah, this like sense that she's never had any freedom and never had any life of her own at all. Yeah, but and also that that is something that like the people around her have actively yeah. worked to help kind of kettle her in, you know, this yeah, sense of totally. like, well, you really can't be trusted to like go out in the world. Totally, which is bananas, but it's why she's such a sort of fragile figure. Yeah. But it's, yeah, I mean, yeah. it is the sense of everything about herself is unexamined. Mm. Yeah. I think is also like it's like she doesn't have the vocabulary to describe what's happening to her yes in the house and with Theo yeah because like you just get the sense she's never as a survival mechanism like she's never been able to examine her feelings about anything right exactly and then Which, when like, you pair that with the fact that like all we know about the character is that this like her defining want is this like search for home mm-hmm. I mean I mean I mean, Sorry, weirdly, you were say something. no, it weirdly brings us back to the outsiders, the sense that like mm. when you're so incapable of articulating yes. the nature of what you're feeling, that leaves yeah. a lot of space to be like, so what you're feeling is something so outside your very ordinary heteronormative experience that you can't yeah. put words to it. Gotcha. Got it. Cool. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And you feel like you'll never be at home in the world of other people. Amazing. Like, you know, I mean, that's what she describes feeling when she's driving to Hill House in the very beginning of like other people's homes. And that's maybe the thing we've overlooked. Like it's a house. It's a house. It's a place to live. It's a home. It was something that was built for a family and then it couldn't contain a normal heterosexual family with a father and a mother and a child. And every time someone enters the house trying to bring that in, it breaks it. That is amazing. That's thought of it. Really good. Really good. Ooh, you've solved it. That's really good. It's the gay house that eats the straight people. Oh my God, you guys. It's a gay house. (laughs) Happy Halloween. Um, that is hilarious. Because it is, it's like it it kills the mom before she can ever, and that's I just for some reason that line really stays with me. He's like, before she'd ever seen it. 
So mm. it's it's not that like the first that is death weird. is the thing haunting the house. Sure. And then, you know, this companion, oh no, then the second wife dies. Mm-hmm. And then he like fucks off and leaves the little girl alone. And right. then this companion is off with her boyfriend and that right. causes the third death. Right. And then, you know, this she feels so guilty. That's the fourth that death. She, yeah. And then that's, and then it passes into like the hands mm-hmm. of a couple who never go inside. Right. And I think there's a sequence where like they're talking about they try to rent it out, but no one will stay. And we like see a man and a woman like fleeing the house. Together. Yeah. No one will stay. Right. Because of the ghosts. And yeah. So it is like. <laughs> Anytime you try and bring a normal family unit in. Brilliant. Yeah. The straights can't live here. The straights aren't allowed. (laughs) They just can't live here. The house won't have it. But so it is to stay in the house is to surrender the hope of having that life. Okay. That makes more sense to me. That makes more sense to me because that is a better. So, cause I feel like even if people apply a queer lens to it at face value, what it looks like is you've realized that you're gay over the course of these three days because of this lesbian, um, who is, it's, it's easier, very hot to be clear, very, very, very stylish hot. and very hot, very hot, a little mean, which is great and yeah. very hot. And so like, it's, I feel like at face value, it looks like to die and be a ghost in this house is easier than like coming out and living as a gay woman in the sixties, which is a less awesome reading than to relinquish all hope of a heterosexual existence is to stay in the house. That's better. It's way more fun. I mean, it's what we wanted like all of these spook movies to be is like, how about the version where you just embrace and acceptance of self? Yeah. This acceptance of like, yeah, we're fucking witches and yeah sometimes we kill people oops listen like we're yeah we're vampires but we're fully fleshed out characters and not villains like this is like instead this is like I mean it's still sad and upsetting but it's like but it isn't because well I mean even when the men are sort of like yeah oh no this is horrible and right like this is what she wanted this is what she wanted but she does sort of make the point of being like no no yeah, this is what she wanted to do. And yeah, that's a much more hopeful reading in a weird way of the fact that like, well, she has a home now and like she did this on purpose and it is agency. Like to read it as agency rather than a loss of control, I think is really interesting. The thing of like, she decides to do it, you know? Yeah. And mm-hmm. I just think that like, there's no, I mean, it's not to say that people have to be, be gay for a reason in movies though I kind of feel like they do at this time period because it's a pretty yeah. like, radical thing to do in 1966 yeah it, it makes sense of sort of what Theo's sort of metaphorical purpose is yes like why can't it just be Eleanor and the two men right exactly yeah which would be not a movie like there would be no story without Theo no, well, partly because, like, I mean, you'd have to make more of a character of Luke because she'd need someone yeah. to talk to. But, like, I don't yeah, think Theo, if Theo's just there for her to be someone to talk to, she doesn't need no. to be what she is. No, she's just a whole psychic lesbian. Right. <laughs> Which is, let's just recap, a psychic lesbian. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the whole, it's the whole story. It's the whole conflict. So what do you make of that little goodbye then? Cause that's something that I wanted to touch on the little goodbye they have at the end there. Yeah. So Eleanor's leaving. They're forcing her to leave because she's clearly losing her grip. (laughs) She's losing her goddamn mind. (laughs) Yeah. Luke 
is going to drive her and like Dr. Yes. Markway is loading up her bags and Theo's sort of lurking by the, by the wall with her arms folded. And then sort right. of the last second, um, Eleanor's like, oh, Theo. And then like Theo like rushes over to the car. Like, and I was over. worried you weren't going to say goodbye. Um, yeah. I mean, it's very loving. It's a very sort of sweet farewell. It is. It is, but it's interesting. It's always significant to me that in kind of piecing together what the ending means that like they've been kind of pissy with each other. Like that's where things had been left. You know, they had a big fight and that, and then, you know, everything escalates and now Nella's leaving and the the last minute choice of like, she, she clearly might not say goodbye. Mm-hmm. And then at the last minute decides to mm-hmm. before killing herself in this kind of magical bid for ghost eternity. Yeah. I mean, I don't think in my reading of the ending, I don't feel like she drives away with the intention. No. I think that sort of overtakes her on the way. Yeah, on the way. Yeah. I think it's about halfway down the kind of drive that the thoughts really start to happen. But it's an interesting, like, you know, they were mad at each other and then she decides to let it be okay before going. Yeah. Which I mean- I guess if you're sort of like accepting our reading, it's like the threat is gone. She's leaving. So Theo doesn't have Mm. to be frightening anymore. Just like the Mm. house doesn't have to be frightening anymore. But then it turns out it's something that can't be escaped. I think that's smart. Yeah, I think that's great. It's only sort of at the last moment does she realize it's something that can't be escaped. And Theo's parting words are like, Nellie, my Nell, be happy. Mm Mm-hmm. Which I guess feeds into then Theo, into Theo then sort of being the one to say like this is what, this is she, what wanted. she wanted. She chose, yeah, to be a gay ghost. To be a gay ghost, and then the so the opening voiceover of the film uh, is this sort of like wry kind of voice. And at the beginning, I was like, "Who is this?" And then you meet Doctor Markway, and I was like, "Oh, it's Doctor Markway, obviously." Um, but then the so he gets the opening voiceover of whatever walked there walked alone. And then the very end, um, when that passage gets repeated, it's in Eleanor's voice, yeah. and she says, "We who walk here walk alone," which is how the book ends. Um, and it's actually sort of, I forgot that that there was that change was then, yeah, sort of plays into mm-hmm. that question I was asking about, like, what mm-hmm. is it? Like, are there multiple entities? Yeah. But Who knows? There are, they're just all, yeah. I mean, it's really interesting, but yeah, she is sort of, and we like, pa- we leave like sort of panning out on the house. Knowing she's that she's of, inside it. Like the consciousness yeah. of her ends the movie. Like I always find that significant that like she dies and then you get the scene of everybody else talking about the crash and then she still gets to end the film in her own voice. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like what you said about how the movie believes yeah. explicitly and concretely that Theo is psychic. It's like, yeah, I think the movie explicitly and concretely tells you she is in the house still. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it does. It believes whatever in happened, magic, whether it was sure. a possession or a choice worked and she's there. Right. Exactly. It's not a cliff. Like it's not a it's not an unknown. It's a they wrap it up. She's still in there. It is a haunted house. Like it's a haunted there's house. just no question. <laughs> yeah. 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 And now she's a gay ghost. We can yeah. presume. I do want to give you time to. Thank you. Yeah. I'm just going to step back. I haven't watched the Netflix series. Just for a second. Now, listen, I want to return to what I said at the beginning and state that that was a joke. I don't want to be mean about it. I just want to say that um, I think that a lot of people enjoyed the Netflix uh, series 
without having read the novel, which is fine, the novella rather, the Shirley Jackson. I think it does Shirley Jackson dirty in a lot of ways. And one of them is that it profoundly degays the actual content of the story. I'm a little bit reminded about the rant we went on in our very first episode about Newsies, about how the Broadway musical sort of degays the tension that the film has. It's something like that. It's it's by making, so Theo is still a character who is explicitly gay in the miniseries, but it completely negates the central romantic tension, the central psychological tension of the actual story by making them sisters. And um, and that way, it, it gets to sort of claim inclusion or whatever by Theo sort of being unchanged as a character. But the fact of her queerness doesn't impact the story at all. And it has nothing to do with the tension. And it has nothing to do with Eleanor's journey. And Eleanor is not in the same way centered as the sort of protagonist and the kind of psychological voice at all in the same way by sort of blowing up the story and making it super diffuse and about the whole family and like sort of making one of the main sources of um of you know malignance the father and like i don't know by making it a story about a family it completely blows apart the central really really lean um mechanism of the Shirley Jackson, which is just like, it's these three people, there's nobody else here. And I don't know, it, I think it thinks that it isn't making its women characters, I think particularly less powerful, but it absolutely is. And I think that it, um, I think that it doesn't at all sort of preserve the spirit of everything that we've talked about, which I think this film does, which is all really true to the story that Shirley Jackson wrote, which I think is way more radical and way queerer in the sixties, you know, than that, that series was in 2019, which really surprised me, but also bummed me out. Also the kids, the kids of the family that they create in the, in the series of Haunting of Hill House all have these like, you know, trauma induced sort of fucked up supernatural problems. Guess what Theo's problem is? She has to wear gloves all the time because she can't touch anybody. She's rogue from X-Men? Pretty much. And the thing about, I was just like, really? Must we? Why like, can't she t- Wait, why? Because she'll like be too I, psychic? I don't even remember. It's too pointless. Uh, yeah, it's Yeah, it's basically because she'd be too psychic. <laughs> but, but, it, but it's just like, it, yeah, I mean, if I remember rightly. And the thing is, I don't know, It it by making it, we don't care about like, look, there's a gay character. We care about content that influences story. And the thing is like personal dynamics are so much more interesting. And also Eleanor is the motherfucking protagonist. And so she is not in at all the same way the the central force in the show, which is what surprised me the most. And also it bugs me when like a sort of writer, director, kind of auteur male figure gets to take a property as kind of iconic as like Shirley Jackson, you know, and like make it so much more conventional than it was decades ago. I find, I find that irksome. I do have to um, say that I was reading and apparently one of the early drafts of this screenplay had a framing device where like it's all in Eleanor's mind and like Dr. Markway's and like Theo's actually the nurse at the insane asylum. So thank God. Oh my God. Thank God they didn't do that. So, you know, it's a near yeah. miss. It's a near miss in this case as well. 100%. But also the, the other kind of, and then I'll shut up about it. But the other thing that really, that bugged me about it is that of course, because this is the 
world we live in now in special effects and all of that. People were very freaked out about this, about the series and with good reason, it's very scary. But uh, I think having ghosts and reasons for ghosts is so much less interesting than what makes the haunting scary as a movie. You know what I mean? Of just like, oh, these are the ghosts. We explain the ghosts. This ghost that started showing up early in the series, that'll get explained about six episodes in. You'll you'll understand the provenance of most of the important ghosts. And it's kind of like, that's freaky, but it's not what the story is about. And like, that's okay because adaptation doesn't have to you know, it's fine, but I don't think it's as scary and I don't think it's as queer. So it's kind of just like, well, you know, why are we Yeah, here? I mean, that's what I was about to say is like, I think the explaining it leaves no room to read in other explanations. Exactly. We could have done this gone. whole podcast in a version where they're like, and it turns out that it was on an Indian burial ground and Eleanor <laughs> was related to the people who killed all the Native Americans in order to build the house. And you're like, okay, cool. You answered that question. And now- is we that the, the story of that of the remake no. of the '90s remake? Oh no. my god! I was yeah, just okay. coming up with a bad a bad story. I was going to say because I did not see that one either. But yeah, I mean that's the thing. No, the '90s remake's the same. This was a different like Stephen King miniseries that oh, had like a whole, right, right, right. totally different premise. I actually don't know if the '90s one comes up with explanations. Mm, I see. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean I think that's sort of like the ethos of this podcast is like leave us space to fill in gay things for ourselves, please. Yes. Yes. And like, yeah, let the, let the, I feel like this movie, as we talked about, is about tension that its main characters don't understand, which is, and that's how the exciting and the terrifying can become the same thing, which is like so much more interesting than everything being explained. And it's also what makes it gay. It's so gay. So gay. Happy Halloween, everybody. Thank you for joining us for our Spooktober. We'll be back in November with less spooky movies. But if you mm. would like to catch up on the Spooktober programming in the interim, you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or any other podcast provider that you prefer. You can also find us on Instagram. Yes, you can at This Movie Is Gay Podcast. And that's where we'll be waiting until next week. See you then. Good Spooktober. Go vote. <laughs>